On this episode of the Break in the Game show, Austin and I are joined by our good friend from the Off the Ball Network, Coach Fall. He is the host of the Candid Corner podcast, where he and Mr. Lewis talk about real hip-hop and, of course, all things sports. We're going to talk with him today about New York Knicks basketball, the success that Atlanta is having underneath Coach Nate McMillan, the problems that the Houston Rockets are facing, and of course the comments that Draymond Green made about where he stands all time amongst the NBA's best defenders. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Break in the Game show here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. I'm Stephen Gillespie, and joining me is my faithful companion, my awesome co-host, Austin Carr. Austin, what's up, brother? Hey, what's going on, Stephen? It's just been kind of a overcast, cloudy day here today. So it's, mm. it's been a wild day, though. So yeah, you, it certainly has. How have you been? I can't complain, man. Life's good. Just uh, had a had a decent day at work, and we know that the trade deadline happened today, and yes, that was fun to keep up with. And for everybody who's watching and listening, that's not what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to let things settle a little bit with buyouts and whatnot on our Monday episode. We'll cover that, but today mm-hmm. we have a very special show, an awesome guest. One of my favorites at the Off the Ball Network where I work. Yes, we do. And um, we're going to bring him on here in a little bit. But before we do, we just want to remind everybody about Manscaped, who supports breaking the game. They are the best in the men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. How about that, Austin? 2 million men. Flat. I'm one of those 2 million men. Me too. But we have an exclusive offer for our listeners today. Austin, they can get 20% off and free shipping. Man, it's a, quite a deal, isn't it? I mean, free shipping alone is, is pretty valuable nowadays. So, Aren't you going to ask me how they can get this? Oh, yeah. Duh. How? <laughs> they can get it by entering promo code BTG, which we all know stands for breaking the game. When they go to manscaped.com, enter go. promo code BTG to let them know that Austin and I sent you. We're real good friends with the people at Manscaped. They'll hook you up with that 20% off and free shipping. All right, Austin. So, again, we have a great show lined up today. Mm-hmm. Pleased to announce very special guest. Yes. The man who has one of, if not the best, voices in sports talk right now. Mm-hmm. He's the host of the Candid Corner Show with his good friend, Mr. Lewis. He is a connoisseur of hip-hop. He is all knowledgeable about New York Knicks sports. Basketball, he knows about Giants football. He knows about everything going on in New York. Ladies and gentlemen, or ladies and gentlemen, is that how you say it, Fog? <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Did I get it? Did I get it? <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Coach behind the building was up. He wasn't ready for that. We didn't plan that at all. Was. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't do it with no, the same. Bro. I can't do it with the same machismo, the charisma, 
Bruh. that Coach Paul has. I did my Bruh, best. That was that was that was that was epic, man. I I do appreciate. And uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I just want to appreciate. Uh, I, I want to give my appreciation for for your your group, your fans. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy what we're talking about tonight. And before I start, hmm. we also. I am also one of the one million or two million men that uses Manscaped. Nice. So please use that coupon code and get yourself twenty percent off and free shipping. So Austin, man, I w- I'm excited to have fun, but that silky smooth voice, I feel like he's going to put me out of a job. I feel like he's going to be coming on here and taking over. I don't know. I, I think if anybody has to worry, it's me out of the three of us. Guys, I think you guys are set. No man, you're 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 straight. I'm worried that Fall's coming for my chair, man. But he he runs a great show with Mr. Lewis, man. The the Candid Corner is lit, man. Before we get started, why don't you tell the folks a little bit about your show, what you do with Mr. Lewis? Uh, just kind of promote yourself up front a little bit. Well, I do appreciate it. Oh man, <laughs> I can I can hear nah. trembling. I can hear trembling across the nation right now. I hear nah. knees hear knees rattling. I've heard that before. No. Um, <laughs> no. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, The Candid Corner is just a really fun show where every uh, Wednesday night, uh, Eastern Standard Time, 9 o'clock, uh, we talk about uh, hip-hop, sports, classic culture hip-hop. We don't, I'm not yes. we don't necessarily getting into like today's hip-hop. We like to remind you of uh, the history and, and and the meaning of the culture of hip hop, so Very you know that's that's wild important to this yeah. New Yorker. Uh, and I love my Knicks, I love my Giants, I love my Mets. I'm excited mm-hmm. because spring training is over and the, the the baseball season is about to begin. I'm very excited about that. Uh, Giants are making a few moves. That's what's up. And my Knicks mm-hmm. are playing tonight. And Man, we so- made no trades really. You you did make a little bit of a move. Yeah, a little, a little sprinkle, sprinkle. Well, since we're talking about the Knicks, Austin, we're going to yeah. roll right into Coach Falls' takes on the New York Knicks season. Now, Austin, you saw that three-team okay. deal that they got involved in, right, where they got Terrence Ferguson. I don't yeah. know how much of a needle mover that is for the Knicks. I don't know. They didn't really give up a whole heck of a lot for him. You know, they, mm-hmm. they traded Austin Rivers in that deal. Iggy's gone. I know he's kind of like a fan favorite among some people the Knicks fans mm-hmm. I gotta tell you Fall, I never really knew much about Knicks fans until I became part mm-hmm. of the off the ball network where I've become ingratiated with encountering the the following that they have and I love the energy I love it's it an a interesting lot bunch. there's no other fan base like them at all man and I love it so much so why don't you tell us a little bit about how you came into the season. What were your expectations with the new coaching change, with the draft, with free agency? And basically, how has the Knicks' performance up until today, you know, how is how have they produced compared to your expectations? Excellent. Excellent question. Excellent leading. I dig it. You guys are awesome. Uh, when I – the beginning of the season – I actually expected between 32 and 35 wins. Mm. I knew that there was something with the core that we had, and I knew that the coaching that we had was was inadequate. Not necessarily a knock to Mike Miller, but 
he didn't have time to instill systems. And those young necks needed systems. You know what I mean? They didn't need a pat on the back or a cheerleader, somebody clapping. They didn't need uh, Jason Garrett on the sidelines clapping. <laughs> That's, you know, and when I when I actually I've been a proponent of Tibbs coming to the team since since before he was able to come to the team. Mm. Now, mean, why I, is that? Why do you like Tibbs so much for a kind of a, a wayward Knicks team, for lack of a better words? Right, like it didn't feel like there was any sort of direction. Why do you feel like Tibbs was a good decision? That's exactly why. That's exactly why. Tibbs is I don't I don't remember where he's from in real life, but to me he's a New Yorker. He feels like a New Yorker, doesn't he? He so does. Mm-hmm. And yeah. part of that is because excuse me, because he was on uh Van Gundy and his uh, coaching staff back in the That's 90s. Right. So he's been around Back when Jeff was hanging on Ewing's ankles, right? You know, he's been around winning New York. Mm -hmm. He knows what it takes, and he is extremely defensive-minded to a fault, even. And I love the fault because I'm the same way. When when I coached with my 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 rec teams, we're known for defense. The little kids may not score that great, but we (laughs) gonna shut you down. Some Coach Carter stuff, you know? Oh, very much so. Mm. Listen. Defense wins games, period. You can put on all the pretty offense in the world. Defense wins games. And Tibbs brings that. And the Knicks need to understand that. Those young guys needed to have a guy that can snap them, not just into place, but to show them where to be in the first place. You know what I mean? I don't think the the prior coaching staffs, plural, to include Hornacek and uh, Jesus Ramis. <laughs> well, really, even going all the way back to Fisher, I mean, they have not been well coached in, in in a long time. That's right. And I knew that we needed that kind of voice, a leader, someone who can say, hey, Randall, get here. Mitch, I don't want to hear that. Get here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they're getting there. I mean, Randall, also, hmm, RJ, in my humble opinion, if he keeps this up, will be an all-star next season. Okay. Especially if Randall could keep his performance up, because if he can keep his performance up, we keep winning games. The eyes keep seeing the Knicks as, oh, oh, no, 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 this is a team now. This is not just you know, the scuttlebutt or what have you. This is, we got to pay attention. They already got one all sudden, and they got another rising one. Wow. Especially if we can make the playoffs this year, which I believe we can and will. Okay. Although Chicago's moves today. Ooh. That is, that's going to be. I think they might be competing for, you know, a 6-7 spot in the Eastern Conference right now. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And so, even though now the Magic are completely out of that race, so that still leaves a spot open for them to fall into. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. The Knicks need to just continue the trend of what they're doing. And by not making many moves today, it kind of shows me that they understand that as well. Mm-hmm. 
these guys need to go into the playoffs together if they're going to make it. They need to have that whole fight toward the end of the year, and they need to do that as a group together because it'll do nothing but chisel and, and, and mold them into a serious team that they need to be. And it teaches the uh, front office and the coaching staff what moves they need to make come this offseason to make that core, that group, even better. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad they didn't make any moves today because that would have been knee-jerk when, what they, in my opinion, what they need to do is really see what this team can do so they know how to build on it. <clears throat> that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I, I'm with you. I'm I'm hesitant for the Knicks to be so all in on this one season right. that they kind of mortgage the future, so to speak. And, and right. to for, for them to be in such a hurry to add maybe a, a Bradley Bill. Now, Alonzo Ball, I think, wouldn't have been a bad way to go, depending on the price that they would have to give up for him. Because I think that his timeline kind of matches with some of the other young players that you have ascending in, in terms of where they rank among the league's best at their positions, right? Mm-hmm. I think that, that would have been fine. But the fact that they didn't go and try to get maybe an aging star in, um, or an injured star in a Victor Oladipo, I'm glad they steered clear of that move. I, I wouldn't have loved that for you guys at all. I knew Miami was doing that one for about the last four weeks. That mm-hmm. didn't surprise me at all. Well, they've been rumored to get Victor Oladipo, Austin, since you know he was right. on your team for the past now. couple that, seasons. That's what I'm saying. So, I was gonna say he had two years left on his contract, and Pacers fans were convinced he was gone to Miami already. So, so exactly, exactly. So this this is like the most non-surprise move of all moves today. Like, oh, yeah, they did that, yeah. And the fact that they waited to the last minute was like, why? We already knew that was coming. Mm-hmm. Right. But Lazo, I feel like we could get him in the offseason. So why mortgage anything? It's tricky, right? Because he's he would be a restricted free agent to where mm-hmm. you know New Orleans could match any deal that another team gives them if they so choose. And then they can kind of mortgage maybe a sign and trade deal at that moment, right? So I do get the idea of acquiring him now, but you're right. You know, if New Orleans looks at the price tag that another team gets him, maybe that's what they're going for. Maybe they're right. saying, what really is his value? Because Lonzo has a, I think kind of a fluid or an ambiguous trade market right now to where it come free agency time, you'll actually see how much in dollar signs, not assets, but dollar signs, other teams value him. And then you can kind of proceed from there. And if you fact, the Knicks have the most money in cap space coming this off season mm-hmm. by about eight, $9 million dollars. They're at like they're uh, like fifty two or something like that, and the next closest is in the forties, like forty six million. And it's funny, even that there's only one other team that's in the forty millions, and then it drops off to twenty. There's three teams there, and then the rest drop off into the teens. So there's really not a lot of players, monetarily speaking, coming in in soft season. Mm-hmm. And if <clears throat> if the Knicks decide that. Lonzo is the guy that's going to run the engine for this group. Then, I think whatever they uh, offer him, I don't, I don't, I don't think that uh, New Orleans matches. Yeah, because just, just looking at the landscape or the financial side of it, I think they can be, they can go all in with a bigger hand because they know they 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 got a, a much bigger stack than the next guy. So. 
And if the Pelicans match, then they're cap, you know, they're they're capped out with the teams they got, and then they got to make questionable moves from there on out. So and kind of hard. Pay Zion and Ingram and everybody if you try to match Lonzo if the Knicks come strong. And that's why another reason why I feel like they need to see what this team looks like in a playoff situation so they know, do I need one player? Do I need three players? Mm-hmm. What do we need? And then they can say, okay, well, if I only need two players, we could throw 25 at this cat and still have plenty of room to make smaller moves. And they're no, and he, they know they're not going to match that. So, you know, you can and you still have your draft picks. the field a little bit. And we still have our draft picks. We still have the first and second rounders for the most part. We just picked up another second rounder today, as a matter yep. of fact. So, nah, I – this is a this is a chess game, and it has to be. The rebuild started last season, and we saw glimpses and glimmers. This is the second year of that, where now we're seeing it starting to, to mold and come together. And so next year, now we're going to see that. What is that going to become? And with the Nets, and then by, by 2023, with those all of those contracts being up, there might be room. Mm-hmm. Very well could be. And just a, a quick recap of where the Knicks stand right now currently. Granted, by the time you're hearing this, they will have completed another game if you're listening to us on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Right now, they're sitting perfectly at 500, 22 and 22, which has been good enough for them to be the sixth seed in the East. But if you look at the way the standings are right now, I mean, four through six are pretty much identical at this moment so theoretically speaking the Knicks could be considered the fourth highest ranked team in the NBA right now so pretty interesting to see where they've gone so far and and coach before we proceed real quick what are your thoughts on Emmanuel quickly he's a player that in the draft process I was pretty high on and I'm glad that he went to a team like the Knicks because he can run the floor IQ is a wonderfully, wonderfully raw, but but gifted young man. Mm-hmm. It, it, if he had done four years in college, he would have killed throughout college. But now that he's here, I, I'm looking forward to a good offseason camp for him. Oh, yes. Because he's he's got the tool because we, we got to refine it. And we have to encourage more playmaking ability and court vision. He's got a great shot. And I don't really want him to tinker with that too much, but I do want him to see his teammates a lot more. Yeah. And facilitate the ball, not just as a pullout or just to get it back so you can shoot. But I, I like him. Oh, and ladies and gentlemen, OB is going to be dope. He needs time with. Tibbs and him in the offseason. Next year, he's going to be a different player. And if he's not, then by all means, talk stuff. But he is going to be something. I'm telling you. He was the number two on my draft board. And a lot of people, especially now, right now, that Julius Randle has gone from infamously gone from the most hated Knicks player, it felt like last season, to the most beloved this season. You know, it kind of put a put a stopper in, in the excitement that came with Obi Toppin. To people outside of New York. Now, New York fans, they they hear about practice on radio. They watch the games more intently. You know, you have your your own television stations that 
you know, the, the talk is different through there as it is on right. you know, major networks. And you hear a lot more about Obi Toppin. I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I think offensively speaking, he's already ready made. Now, big men, it usually takes them a little bit of time to adjust defensively, physicality wise, things of that nature, especially coming from a university like Dayton. to now he's going against grown men who are who are built just as well, if not more so than he is. Right. Yeah. He's also too daggone eager right now. He is literally living his whole Disney fantasy basketball dreams right now. And literally still, every time he gets on the court, he's... It's not that he's... He just, the way I look at it, he needs to settle down. And he needs to calm his inner angst and, and his inner joy and all of that that's bottled up. He needs to find a way to kind of not suppress it, but just deal with it, just relax it away because he's right there. Let it come to him. A lot of the spots, right. He's right there, but he, he hears the fans. He knows what they're saying on Twitter. He knows he wants to be more because he was the number uh, eight pick. Mm-hmm. And so he's rushing his shots. He's, he's trying too hard. And that's why I'm like, Come this off season, come a summer league, he'll be uh, more used to it. He'll be calmed down, and then by next season, we're going to see a much better, much more proficient young version of this, with the same athleticism and bang and all that other good stuff. Yeah, the highlights will come for him. Indeed. All right, so Austin, this the next topic that we had is one that you wanted to talk about in particular. So I'll let you take this away. Yeah, for sure. Um, I couldn't add said anything better about the Knicks myself anyway, so I'll let the ex leave the expert to that. I just did want to mention, you know, you did say obviously they're hanging their hat on defense. They are the number one scoring defense in the NBA. That's pretty that's pretty impressive. Just found it interesting that, you know, you get the two New York teams, one scoring 120, 130 every night, and the other one's keeping everybody around hundred. So it's interesting. That's about right. That's that's very mid Yankees. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I just think, like you said, Fa, you know, stability is kind of the per- is kind of the name of the game right now for this team. Right. You know, Thibodeau's, I, I thought was the perfect guy for that roster. So, I'm, I'm I had my doubts. Just, be, just being go. transparent, I had my doubts about Tibbs, but he I, he's proved me that. wrong. But we want to get on to another coach that I did want to mention because he did coach the Pacers last year, and that's Nate McMillan. Okay. Um, at the time that we were getting prepared for this, they were, uh, I think, eight and one with him as their coach, and they did end up losing to uh, the Clippers the other night. They right. blew a, like a twenty-five point lead to give that game away. Kind of looked like what they used to look under Lloyd Pierce. But since Nate McMillan's taken over, it's kind of been a whole new Atlanta Hawks team. You know, you're even hearing stuff in the news now of John Collins saying he wants to be there for the rest of his career, and, and mm-hmm. you haven't really been hearing that all year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Stephen, I'm interested in your thoughts. What do you think? What's what's going on here? Is it just they needed a different voice in the locker room? And it seems like it, I guess. Well, Austin, you know that I – I'm a big advocate of Nate McMillan and I I took to Twitter too, you know, when people were starting to make a big, you know, not a big fuss, right? I mean, giving him his just due is the best way I can put this because people were saying, wow, look at what the Hawks are doing under Nate McMillan. 
And I said, look, you know, being a great NBA head coach or just coach in general, it's not coaching the top tier talent to heights that they're expected to be. You know, Frank Vogel is, is a solid NBA head coach, but he's coaching LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Yes, he has to manage egos, massage egos. He's a good manager. He's a good manager. In my eyes, Nate McMillan is a great coach because look at what he does with the team that he's given. He's almost your your I don't your consummate team builder. You know, he's he's a guy that you can give a brand new team to. And when whenever he, whenever it's his turn basically to hand it off, which I hate that he constantly has to do this, you have a playoff ready, if not conference champion, if not NBA champion ready team. You know, look at what he did whenever he took over in Seattle. Look at whatever he did when he took over in Portland. Look at what he did when he took over in Indy. And you're already seeing it again. It's lather, rinse, repeat with Nate McMillan. I love the fact that he can take a team and look, he's not one of these guys who loses his job and beats his chest and says, I deserve X, Y, and Z. It's almost as if he's, I don't want to say satisfied, but you know, he comes to grips with the way that the NBA business is. And you know, coach, I'll leave this opinion up to you, but it feels like, you know, whenever it's his turn to give up, to give up the team, it's usually a, a white coach that comes in behind him and takes over and tries to bridge the gap here. And I, you know, I, we typically don't run this type of show, but I do feel like it is a little bit to where Nate McMillan builds up the team, kind of like what, you know, Dungey did to the bucks in Tampa to give it over to a John Gruden and the team is ready to win a super bowl. They achieved their success and Nate McMillan's off doing the same thing somewhere else. So far, I just want to remind everybody that McMillan did replace Lloyd Pierce, who, had no prior working relationship with Lloyd Pierce before the season. I felt like that hiring put a little bit of a, you know, a, a heat check on the seat of Lloyd Pierce. And it obviously turned out to be that way. I'm what so are your sorry. thoughts about how Nate McMillan is handling the Atlanta Hawks? Well, first of all, and I think both of you guys are correct uh, in your views of Nate McMillan. He is a marvelous coach. I've always felt that way. Um, I was surprised when Indiana let him go after the bubble. And I think the players were as well. And I think they were actually, some of them were actually vocal about that. And I found that very telling, but at the same time, it also told me, you know, Indiana, I'm not sure what direction they're going to go in. And right now they're beatable. Yeah. They're the tenth seed in the East right now. They're yeah. they're they're nineteen and twenty three now. Last season, <clears throat> under Nate McMillan, they finished as what the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. Indeed, they did, and I mean, they had a bright future. They had bright stars, and now you're not really even sure the direction of what they're going to do. And again, that comes from the that comes from the top. Uh, I could see if they were if, if they were displeased with his perhaps playoff record. But then you hire somebody who has a proven playoff record. I don't know why they hired this guy. But for me, that's neither here nor there. He is a consummate professional, and that's why the transitions and things like that are easy. That's mm-hmm. that's what he does. But to me, he's the Tyrod Taylor of NBA coaches. Okay. He comes in, 
fixes it up, shows the guys how to do it, and then they move them on and bring in the bright, shiny new. Mm-hmm. And it happens, as you said, every time. And I hope it doesn't happen here, or at least it doesn't happen for a, a little while. And, and just to, to just to say, Coach, he is right now the interim head coach. So basically, exactly. he's he's auditioning again, yes. even though he's a again. proven commodity. And I I don't necessarily understand why he has had the the, the carousel that he has had. I really don't. And there's some bum ass coaches. Pardon my French. Pardon. But totally there's understand. Some, uh, there's some garbage coaches, Luke Walton, uh, that still have jobs <laughs> and you know, are, are, are still running these teams. And I'm just like, sigh. Because it's it's the NBA, it's a business, and sometimes there's always business within the business. And it is what it is. But I knew he was going to turn Atlanta around because they have some great young talent. And I was actually perturbed when he was hired. Because I knew under Lord, or no offense to Lloyd Pierce, but I knew under that, they had been accustomed to whatever disciplines that they had and they weren't going to go far. There was infighting and all that. So I, I was like, ah, oh, one team I don't have to worry about. They hired who? Mm-hmm. Cause now I know they're going to be fighting for playoff position. Yep. Right. I, I wasn't sold after all the moves they made in the off season, whether or not, they were going to be, you know, six or seven in the East, which is what a lot of people were saying Um, just because they had never won anything. And Lloyd Pierce had never really proven anything. And that's not the case with Nate McMillan for sure. Um, He's 70 games over or 80, sorry, 80 games over 500 in his career. Mm -hmm. He's coached for 17 NBA seasons. How many losing seasons do you think he has, Steven? I would say maybe three, three. It's three. three. Yep. So he's what, and they're probably all his first season with a brand new team. Uh, there was two in a row to start with uh Portland okay. in 2005. So I think that's what right before they got KD, yeah, yeah, that was or two I mean, seasons, two seasons before he Odin. Was that's a long Seattle. time that they had Seattle Brandon Roy, Gerald Wallace, KD, Nick Batum, Lamarcus Aldridge. Yeah. Yeah. That was Odin went to Portland. Yep. Okay. Yep. I got him mixed Should up. Should have been KD. He was at <laughs> Seattle right before them. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, you know what? I, I guess the Pacers front office thought that they were should have been better than they were this year. I don't know what, what they thought they had with all the guys that they have. I mean, they've got a solid team. They've got a lot yeah. of good. They've got a lot of good guys that I I would say are like the missing piece on another team. They they have like a a team full of guys like, oh, man, just imagine if TJ Warren would played with them or if Sabonis got traded there. But when Oladipo got hurt, they kind of lost having that that number one guy. And he's never really was the same. And, you know, this year Bjorkman's been okay. I mean, he hasn't really moved the needle much either way. So – and it, it just – I don't know. I was excited about him to start the year. Coach Foss said, though, if you wanted a guy that was proven in the playoffs, go get a guy that's proven in the playoffs. Go get a guy with the playoff you know, pedigree of, of He's winning. He's proven the in the G League playoffs. I mean, and True. that's not to knock the G League talent, but I'm just saying, like, he is, this is his and debut I'm, I'm season. I'm not saying that Bjorkman's not a good coach or didn't deserve the job or anything. It right. just it, – it didn't seem like it was a, a move that needed to happen, I guess, because – 
nothing really has changed. I mean, the record's not much better or worse. They're, the team looks the same. You know, Nate McMillan was already here. They, the players did like him for sure. Coach Foss right about that. And um, McMillan dealt with injuries too. I mean, I hear a lot of people making all, all year for Nate for Nate Bjorkren this season about how mm-hmm. this player is out, this player is out. This like same they thing. Were out last year. Right. Every yeah. season in Indiana, I'm pretty yeah. sure he's There's dealt with a major injury. I was going to say they were without Oladipo half the year at least last year. Sabonis mm-hmm. missed the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, what did they expect when their best players are hurt? off and on all year long yeah but nate does kind of seem like that guy that comes in and gets the most out of the lease no matter where he's at and for whatever reason it hasn't translated to the playoffs he's 17 and 36 in the playoffs but yeah there's a lot of teams that lose in the playoffs there's a lot of coaches that lose i mean there's 15 teams that end up losing at least four games i have to playoffs who he plays again i have to look at who he's played against in the opening round because i'm willing to bet that he's lost to teams that I hate to say that he should have lost to, you know what I mean? But right, right. I guarantee but you strong yeah. teams. I don't think he lost to any weak teams by accident well, he, or anything like that. We saw what Miami did last year after they swept the Pacers. I mean, they just went, they went right, on to went be on the, the Eastern Conference representative. So exactly. There you go. Exactly. Right on. All right. Well, coach, we got another team that we want to ask you about. And basically the opposite effect of what we're seeing with Nate McMillan in the Atlanta Hawks and that being the Houston Rockets. And I know that you and I don't necessarily see eye to eye on how to evaluate the infamous James Harden. But like I said on Twitter today, you can disagree with someone and still keep it classy and respectful. And that's the ball network, man. You're my brother and I love you, man. So I understand why you don't like James Harden. And I know that he has played a part. No, I, I don't dislike him. A correction, yes. Go ahead. I, I don't dislike him at all. I just don't think that he should toss aside the tumultuous time in Houston mm-hmm. for what he's done in Brooklyn. That's all. Yeah. You know, and to me, I agree. if he keeps this up next year, sure, MVP. But yeah. I can't MVP you because of how the season started. Who won the MVP to those cats that was on that team? No, yeah. nobody there was cheering that you was acting that way and forcing your way out and leaving them and holding the bag. No, nobody's enjoying that. Right. You know, every day you got to go to practice to hear people asking, uh, so James Harden leaving. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's not the atmosphere you want. And, and you're I'm right. Glad he's where he is. And mm-hmm. I'm glad he's having a stellar career. He's a great player. Just not. I don't. I, that can't be rewarded because if it is, you're going to see more players acting the same way, looking for accolades going forward in the future. Because you know Adam Silver going to stop him. Yeah, and you're right. And you know, for me to try to oversimplify, oversimplify it, saying that you don't like him, that was that was messed up on my part, and I do apologize. Yeah, cool. But I do understand that you. Better way to say it was you didn't approve of how he got to be where he is now. Right. And I do understand that aspect of it. I'm not going to pretend like I can't see why people wouldn't like it. But yeah, I want to ask like when AD did it either. Yep. And yeah. then he win a ring. Yay. But look what you did to that team, though. I mean, the Pelicans yeah. Pelicans look like they're going to be okay, you know, in the short term yeah, right now with Zion. The short term. But again, maybe they were going to make that move anyway, but you let them do it. Yeah. I see and what you, you play 
games. You don't sit down and go, I'm not going to play. And Harden was going to do that. Well, Harden didn't do that, though. He didn't, but he was going to. That was going to be his next steps. Yeah. And a lot of people on that Houston Rockets team voiced their displeasure. But I want to ask you in particular, I know that James Harden, the way that he handled his time in Houston, uh, the trade in specifically that that sent him out. But we know, being basketball fans, that there is definitely more layers to this Houston Rockets problem that they're dealing with right now. He may be the biggest culprit, but he's not the standalone in this situation. So, Coach, I just want to run down a list of things that, in my mind, I think are contributing to this. And I want I would love to get your insight and intake on this. Right on. So Houston came into the season with Dan Tony not going to be the NBA head coach. They actually entered last season with him being in his final year of his contract without right. even so much as attempting to make an offer to him to want to stay beyond last season. Mm-hmm. So Dan Tony was leaving, which again, that 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 puts a divide within so your franchise, good. just that in and of itself. We know that Chris Chris Paul and James Harden didn't work out, so they got Russell Westbrook's best friend, and they're going to be good just because they like each other. We saw that that didn't necessarily bear out. Now, they did make the playoffs. They mm-hmm. they did beat Oklahoma City, but we saw what they did against the Lakers with that small ball lineup. To me, that was just bad coaching, but I hear you. Yep, and then again, Daryl Morey saying, I want time with my family. That lasted all of about a week before he went to go join up with the Philadelphia 76ers and Doc Rivers. And then we saw that guys like Russell Westbrook came into the season alongside James Harden, Westbrook, P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon, most of the starters and even the more important bench players came in and voiced their displeasure with the way the organization was being ran, even though the coach and the GM had already left by the time that they voiced their displeasure. And then Steven Silas is brought in. Now he... Longtime assistant NBA head coach. Mm-hmm. Has definitely, he has the bloodlines to be a great NBA head coach. Has everything that you want from all accounts. He's a player's coach from his time in Dallas. He's worked mm-hmm. alongside guys like LeBron James in Cleveland. Like and Kimball. he'll be fine. He'll yeah, be fine. I love Steven Silas, by the way. I think that he he's dealt an unfair hand here. So after all of that, Austin, is there anything that I left out that you want to add in? Um. Not really. I mean, there's just been a lot of upheaval there. You know, I mean, I kind of going into the season, everybody kind of saw the writing on the wall. It was going to be pretty much a dumpster fire. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Eric Gordon's missed a lot of time with injuries as well. And he was having a terrific year uh, up until that point. They they can't keep a, you know, a a healthy lineup on the court. It seems like they're in Houston. Uh, Nobody seems very happy. I I, I feel bad for Silas. I I think he's going to end up going down as the kind of the scapegoat in this situation when what was he supposed to do you know going into the year it was going to be it was going to be rough whether Harden asked out or not I mean I just DeMarcus Cousins was there for a cup of coffee he was Mm -hmm. in played well was released and nobody's re-signed him and then their big free agency acquisition Christian Wood has only played half of their games 21 of 42 games played due to injury injury. now I want to rewind some of that back because okay. while I agree with everything, I think there was there, there's a spot that was missed. Okay. And this is, again, part of my angst about Harvey. Okay. Because they were all set to hire, not Steven Silas, 
they were going to hire Jeff Van Gundy. Mm-hmm. Jeff Van Gundy is a good coach for stability and, and defense and, and, and fundamentals that a young team needed. And honestly, Dan Tony, just as long as you run fast, shoot the ball, do what you do. That's to <laughs> me, that's, and I mean, he was a Knicks coach for a while and I was disgusted then because he plays no defense. Mm-hmm. Outscore everybody. Yeah, outscoring everybody with Chris Duhon. But anyway, <laughs> as I digress. There you go. Uh, Van Gundy was approved by everyone in the organization up and down until he had a meeting with two people, James Harden and Russ Westbrook. They went back to the organization. Nah, we don't want that. We want somebody new. We want somebody who who understands. So they went and got Steven Silas. Well, it wasn't supposed to be Steven Silas either. Harden and Westbrook, they wanted to bring in, who was it? Tyron Lue was somebody. Or Ty Lue was somebody like that. I know what you're thinking of, Steven. I can't think of who it was either. I can't remember who it was. It was another black coach. And that, and I remember you talking about this fall. You were just like, "Well, how are Steven Silas? So love that, you know." Like, I forget who it was. Oh my goodness! All right. Anyway, I, I don't want to hang up on, on me right. not remembering, but yeah, and that's a very valid point. And you know, for a player to say, "We don't want this coach. We want this one," and then you force your way out anyway mm-hmm. when you try to appease your your desire and your need for the to be the leader of the team. It was and John you, Lucas. John Lucas, Lucas. yep. Who I think would have been a great coach too. Right, right. And but you don't get your way, but you get your way. And you Mm -hmm. still bounce. So that again, so for me, I got a little issues with that. Because if you're gonna if you're gonna do that, if you if you know you're leaving anyway, yo, Mm -hmm. whoever you want to hire, hire them. If that's where you think y'all need to go, go. Just make sure I'm out the door. You know, do that. But to tell the organization, no, we want this. And then they bring Steve and they're like, ah, okay. You can't get you can't get who we want. All right, we'll take it. And then they bounce. Yeah. And so he yes, he's 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 been left something very interesting. And I don't actually know what they're even going to do with John Wall. I would think they keep him around only to to, to sell tickets while they try to figure out the rest of this rebuild. Because if they get rid of him and trade him for like picks or somebody like that, yikes. Yeah. And now you got Kelly Oubre as the face of your team, no offense. <laughs> You know Not the face of an organization. They got nah. Avery Bradley in that deal too, and another pick. And we know that Houston has been in the business this past off season of acquiring picks. We know that they right. dealt Victor Oladipo in that deal. They also got a pick swap out of that as well. Exactly. So even the guys that they've brought in from this James Harden deal, they've already been dealt out. I mean, Victor Oladipo coming in from Indy traded just a couple months later. You know for. Yeah. Role players. I don't think it matters to them who they have on the team right now, to be honest. I think they're pretty much sold on that it's going to be a rough road for a while in Houston. Exactly. Maybe maybe they do them like uh, Philly's old coach. Oh, Brett Brown? Yeah. Yeah, You know, we'll we'll leave you around for the entire dumpster fire. So you're going to be employed for at least another two, three years. 
But as soon as we get fancy people up in here, they're out of here. We're going to find somebody else. But for right now, if, at least you got a job for three years. Build a resume to help 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 you grow. And I just, I mean, the way that if you look at Steven Silas and the role that he played alongside Rick Carlisle in Dallas last season, mm-hmm. the success that the Mavericks enjoyed, I I was very intrigued to see what Steven Silas could do on this team. And Austin, I know that you made it a point to say, if James Harden wanted to stay on this team and was invested, this Houston Rockets team would be would be really good. But obviously, he felt like he had done his he'd done enough times for that franchise. You know, I mean, he was there for what eight seasons, and yep. eight seasons is not what it used to be in the NBA. Eight season in, in today's NBA is what like fifteen season was. Yeah, a couple yeah. decades ago, right? It's a longer so, grind. It's a longer grind. You're hundred percent right, but. Um, Coach, how do you feel about Steven Silas, though, overall? I mean, considering the hand that he's dealt, considering the I'm going to be nice and say talent that is on this Houston Rockets team right now, mm-hmm. um, they're 12 and 31 so far. Do, is this kind of something that you could just expect to see? Like, personally, yeah. that's what I feel. Yeah. I think that this is, yeah, you know, you're, this you're cooking with the groceries you got. Yeah. This, yeah, this is the first year of, okay. It, you live in a really, really nice town, mm-hmm. and it's, you're, in, you're, you're in you're in Italy somewhere. It's wonderful, and all of a sudden, the volcano come and broke mm-hmm. everything. Poof! It's all gone. It's mm-hmm. all a wreck. But then they're on after the the ground cools. The ground heals, and now you've got a nice place, and you know the volcano ain't popping off for a while, so that's safe. <laughs> that's where he's in the middle of the volcano coming down, and you see the big rocks and the smoke right now. Yep. And it's doomsday right now for, for Houston. But I would hope his organization knew that going yeah. As soon as they traded Westbrook and knew that they were going to trade Harden, they should have said, okay, the sky is falling. Let's just let it fall, get as much for it as we can, and then we'll rebuild this and have a whole new utopia, hopefully, in a, in a couple of seasons. That's, I, to me, yeah. the only way they could get out of this. Yeah, I, I agree, Austin. How do you feel about Silas in, in Houston? I, I think he's just in a bad situation. I don't, I don't think he yeah. had much of a chance to do any more than this. I mean, a, a 20-game losing streak is pretty bad, regardless. But Houston's the only team in like the only franchise in the NBA to have ever had a 20 game win streak and a 20 mm-hmm. game losing streak. That's nuts. Right. It is crazy. Yeah. And if you think back to the team that won that had didn't they had set the record for the like second longest or it was I know they didn't beat the Lakers, but I think they ended up second second or third longest. And they had like Trace McGrady and maybe Yao Ming was in and out mm-hmm. for a game or two and nobody else. And so that was just crazy team to think about too but uh no i don't know houston i mean if oladipo wall and wood were healthy through all of this and gordon and they're still losing like this then you got to say oh god this guy can't coach we need to get him out of here but he hasn't had anybody and he also spent the first couple months of the season dealing with one of the worst locker room situations you could imagine like a guy who literally just didn't want to hear him wasn't Mm going to do anything that they asked had to answer questions about him in the media all day long when he's trying to get prepared for his first season as a head coach in the NBA. Exactly. So he, he, they need to give him some time. And I think luckily, you know, as long as Raphael stone is their GM, 
I, I, you know, as long as he's there and they don't bring in another guy who wants their own coach, I think they give him some time just because the owner, you know, lost has lost so much money with the, you know, the shutdowns from COVID and everything. That yeah, for Tita's pocketbook took a hit. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to stick with stick, you know, stick it out with this guy for a little while. See, see where they can go together. That's how this is my feeling on it. Yeah, I agree. If I'm a player, I want to play for a coach like Steven Silas because, man, he handles everything. Grace, he he absorbs right. so much of the criticism because yes, he does. And and as great as I think that James Harden is doing this season, Steven Silas had to answer all the questions on mm-hmm. on Harden's behalf and Westbrook's behalf and PJ Tucker and Eric mm-hmm. Gordon and everybody else who wanted out of Houston. Yep. He absorbed all of that himself. Did it gracefully. A lot of poise and composure with how he handled the media. Mm-hmm. And I just. If I'm a player and I see my coach, or if I'm a player and I see a coach like Silas do something like that, I want to run through a brick wall for the guy mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I would hate to be the reason why he's upset or the reason that someone is questioning his abilities. I'd be right. like, "No, this is on me, coach. Like right. you should have to be right. out there saying all these things and hearing all these things. This is on me. Like you shouldn't be dealing with this." That's why I would have traded Harden to really. I would have held on to him. I mean, honestly, and we, we talked about that a lot too, coach in the group chat plug for the group mm-hmm. chat. We do that a lot here on the show. Right. Hey, you guys not to double back too bad, but do you guys want to hear <laughs> all the playoff teams that Nate McMillan has lost to? Yeah, please. Well, right. a pretty interesting list. So he made it twice with Seattle. Uh, both times he lost to uh, Tim Duncan's first team. The first one was Tim Duncan and David Robinson. Okay. Second one was Tim Duncan, Manu and, uh, the trip was we have the Tony, Tony Parker. Tony Parker, thank you. There you go. Uh, and then they went three years in a row with Portland, 2008, 9, 9, 10, 10, 11. He won one series uh, in Seattle in 2005. I missed that one. Uh, and then they lost. That's the second one. They lost the Spurs. And then they lost to um, the eventual champion Mavericks in 11. They lost to Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire's sons in 2010. And 2009, I believe it was the Spurs again. Um, and then the last four years in Indiana, he lost to the Raptors twice in a row to Boston and then last year to Miami. So looking at that list, there's not a team on there that I would say that they should have beaten. He right. never never lost to a team that was worse than the team he coached. I mean, mm-hmm. Tim Duncan beat him three times in the playoffs. Oh, no. You Tim know. Duncan beat a lot He's of people, people in the playoffs. Exactly. Yes, he did. So, you know, sometimes those narratives that a guy can't win in the playoffs are just kind of a joke. Skewed. It's, it's very skewed. Very you know, narrative-based. And I think yeah. it's con- it's inconvenient for Nate's behalf, but you hear other coaches get – excuse after excuse after excuse and you and know there's less of a performance with less of performance and lesser and with more talent you know like nate he had he's had great talent i don't want to make it sound like nate is coaching us three and two other dudes you know what i mean right. like he's got nba talent. he'd make us great he he would he would probably i would probably play the best basketball i've ever played under nate yeah. right so yeah. he he's he's a top shelf coach in my eyes and like i said i to me, being a great coach isn't always just saying like, hey, you know, I coached Kobe Bryant to an NBA championship or LeBron James or Michael Jordan or whatever, like exactly. where my talent could have got a lot of people there. He just so happened to be the one, you know, speaking in my ear the way I want to be spoke to. Nate McMillan mm-hmm. will take, 
you know, your average Joes in the NBA and take them farther than most any other coach in the NBA would. Because the average Joe in the NBA is really, 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 really talented. Mm-hmm. People forget that all 100%. the time. Hundred percent. All the right. time, you Both see him on, on the Twitter. Bench, you can't even name is so good; it's unreal. Oh, oh, oh! He's he's not even a real NBA player. Neither are you. What are you Ooh, talking about? Shots fired. <laughs> I mean, you just hear that stuff so much, and you're like, "But these guys fought through all kinds of stuff that you never even experienced, or that you experienced and couldn't get there." Mm-hmm. Only four hundred. Only 450, you know, regular roster spots, not counting two-way contracts and things like that. But, you know, they're one of 450 in the world. Mm-hmm. In the world. Oh, the world, your Craig. High Think back to the best player on your high school team and how good he was. Yeah. Did he even play D1? Exactly. Not a lot. Not often. Exactly. Not many of them. And then yep. imagine the best players on those D1 teams. Mm-hmm. Only about 10% of them are going to even sniff a game in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's unreal. 100%. So you know the 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 NBA bust is nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People, you gotta understand that. So yep. Nate McMillan can find that game in those guys. Yeah, you he were wrong here. Now show right. me. Yeah, he and Dwayne Casey, I think, are cut from the same cloth in that manner. Because you see what Dwayne Casey is doing Tips in Detroit. Tips too. Yeah. Tibbs too. Yeah, that's All something right, I've always felt about Tibbs is you know if with with him it, you you know what the floor is you know what mm-hmm. I mean like you know the, we're not gonna we're not gonna look like a team that doesn't know what we're doing. You're gonna exactly. be competitive. Yeah. You're gonna be prepared. That's right. Well, coach, man, we're we're getting up against it. What I would like to do, we have one more topic that we didn't get to, so we're gonna close this out for for the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. But anyone who is interested in the last section or segment that we're going to talk about. We're going to be talking about Draymond Green's comments about where he views himself all time. If you if you want to talk NBA, I mean, this is where it's at. So we're going to close out here for the Nothing But That channel on Dash Radio. And then if you want to listen to this Draymond Green segment and especially get Coach Foz takes uh, on what he said and how he thinks about players thinking this way, just go look us up anywhere you get your podcasts available. It's breaking the game. We're on there. Look for the basketball and the headphones and you'll find us. But coach, just want to thank you so much for your time as oh, always. Thank you for having me. Definitely. And yeah. Thanks for it's coming a pleasure on. Pleasure linking up with you anytime that we can, man. It's always a good you bring a spot on my face, man. You got one of the best voices in in the game right now, man. I, Brothers, I definitely appreciate you. All right. And I just want to remind everybody again that support for breaking the game is brought to you by Manscaped. And what I want everyone to do, I want you to go to manscaped.com, enter code BTG to get your 20% off and free shipping. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using code BTG. Unlock your confidence. And as always, use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. It's a nice, easy code. Three letters. It's easy. Like I like it. Can't forget BTG. it. BTG. Go BTG. Easy. That's right. All right. Well, for our honored guest, Coach Fa, for Austin and myself, we are the Breaking the Game podcast. Shout out to Off the Ball Network. Go to offtheballnetwork.com for all your sports needs. Shout out to the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. We will catch up with you folks next time. Much love, everybody. Have a good one.
All right, that's a big enough break to where I can edit the podcast and we can continue on. So I, I try to make my life as easy as possible. Oh, indeed. I'm, like I'm with you, man. I'm all for <laughs> easy. All right. Well, so for everyone oh, who's coming back and listening from the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio, thank you guys so much Welcome for coming back. back for this last segment that we yeah. have with Coach Fall. Coach, bonus again, time. Man, it's bonus content time, man. And, and as <sighs> always, love, love, love getting your insight because – you look at the game differently than I do, but I respect and I love your input, man. You you make my gears turn in a way that I by I myself it. I would never do that, you know? So I do appreciate the different way that you look at the game and it has called to action some of the things that I kind of overlooked, especially with the, the James Harden situation in Houston, things that I just kind of put to the wayside and looked at it in a different light. So I do appreciate your insight tonight with us. Yeah. Man. And I, again, our conversation always great, man. Oh yeah. No Dude, doubt. They just start. I, I what, enjoy you're <laughs> what you're hearing here on the show is only just the tip of the iceberg with what we talk about in the group. Oh, chat. We, oh we get down. Mm-hmm. Oh, we get, oh, oh, we, we, we get down. I had to jump off when I saw that Eli one coming up. We're not doing <laughs> that. <laughs> started the fire and I, and I ran Ooh. out of yeah, I put up that Joker meme where he's, you know, he's got the the detonator in his hand and he's walking away mm. from the hospital while it's exploding. <laughs> I I often wonder if how many people in our group chat realize how often I'm just trolling them and not actually serious. I hope I hope most of the guys are smart enough to figure that out. But you're diabolical, Austin. Yeah, Sometimes yeah, I wonder yeah. because it gets pretty bad. No, it's good. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Um. Draymond Green. Yeah, let's let's get into this. Draymond oh, Green, man, he on this. he oh, made oh, some oh, very. Hold on, hold on, see me. Oh, please, please. I'm talking to Draymond right oh, now. Oh, okay. I got it. Young man. Oh boy. Listen. Earmuffs, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your moxie. I appreciate your dedication to your craft. And how proud you are of what you're able to do with the skill set and abilities that you have to to impact the game in the way that you have. Mm. I'm glad. Be proud. Be I feel like there's I feel like there's a butt coming, coach. Or a however. But child, don't be stupid. <laughs> okay. Don't be stupid. Mm. respect your elders remember the history of the game and don't be so belligerent and or okay I won't say belligerent I will wheel that one back okay don't be so obtuse to think that the NBA time frame and universe that you play in is commiserate to any of the ones that preceded you Mm. and say that you are one of and I'm fine okay but Bill Russell mm. Dennis Rodman mm. I mean you shouldn't even call Malone his old hacking behind I mean <laughs> dude Scott, oh listen Scott P man I Bruce mean, Bowen 
I can't stand that bow tie wearing hacking dude though. Oh my Gary god. Gary Payton. Mm-hmm. No, no. He cheap defense. I was gonna say Gary Payton, but Bruce Bowen, he do that cheap defense, man. Mm-hmm. He, he 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 like to he like to step he where he to know you're gonna step to cause the fight. He I run our We're test. not gonna get over here. Dude, Queens, dude, Meta. Queens, I used to play with him in the parks back in mm-hmm. the day. You know, I was a little older, of course. But I mean, I mean, we used to play. I mean, I know him. I know his family. It's cool. You know, I don't know him now. I don't, but back you knew, in Queens, you knew Ron Artest. You don't know Meta. Indeed. How <laughs> we relate that? Okay. Uh, big shout out to Queens. Big shout out to Skills and them. Uh, but young man, David Rock. Honestly, they don't even play real D mm-hmm. in your era. You know, David Stern and Stern fixed all that. So mm-hmm. they don't even play real D in your era. Y'all are the same ones that move out the way when LeBron come to the paint and do that dunk stuff. Instead of getting the inner way, taking the charge and making them flip backwards like they used to do in the 90s. Well, they don't want to be put on the Twitter sphere getting dunked on. Which is another thing that the players in the 90s didn't care about. They made sure you weren't going to dunk on them. Bang. Or if you did, you weren't going to do it again. Bang. Mm-hmm. Or if you did, you remembered it, and maybe next time you shoot a layup. You're going to have a permanent memory from, from that dunk attempt. You are going to earn the props mm. that you are given because you're going to go through H-E-double hockey sticks. There you go. And Draymond and him, y'all good. Y'all good. So I just wish there was a bit more physicality in the game so we could see if y'all agree. There we go. All right, so for the people who are listening to Coach and they're saying, Coach, why are you being so hard on Draymond Green? What could he have possibly said? Well, first off, I just want to let everyone know that if you're listening to our show and you don't know the game of basketball, I'm not here to shame you. I'm glad that you came. Coach hey. is glad that you came. Austin is glad that you came. Because where you you for people who don't know basketball, I feel bad for the unknowledgeable basketball fans because there's not a lot of avenues that they can go to to where they can say, I don't know the game of basketball without being ridiculed, shamed, yeah. mocked, yeah. things like that. Even people who know the game of basketball get told that they don't know and they mm-hmm. get shamed. Right. So all the time I've been put on the wrong end of that type of criticism. And, you know, me hey, too. that's fine. I mean, it happens Coach, to me every day. I was going to say, believe it or not, as, as as much as you're learning from Coach Fa today, I have seen people tell my man that he doesn't know the game. And I've you know, not that you need my help, but I've offered my services to come alongside to help validate some of your claims. Much respect to you and and your knowledge of the game. Wouldn't but that again, be fun? Just have like a goon squad on Facebook, like going around, just, <laughs> you know, explaining to people when they don't understand, like what they don't know. Mm-hmm. But, oh, oh, no, that that's just the wrong way to look at it. Let me just fix this for you real quick. Okay. Okay. Now carry on. <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right. So again, Coach Fa, you may have people who, who don't know the game of basketball or, or for even some of the ones who do know the game, but they don't pay attention to to the comments, the back and forth exchanges that happen seemingly behind the scenes. They may be wondering, Coach Fa, what could Draymond Green possibly have said to draw such such a such a strong 
response on your behalf. The young man said that he felt as though he was the greatest defensive player of all time. Mm. And you know what? I'm glad I'm glad you set that up that way because it's not just it's not his fault. There's this there's this interest that I see that's that's intrigued to this era. Goat. Mm. Everything has to be of all time. Time is a long time. There's been a lot of people doing a lot of things over a lot of space of time. Even in such a small space of basketball, even, coach. Dude, 20 years goes like that, but there's still a lot of different players. You said 450 on the roster. That's a lot of players over 20 years. Mm -hmm. They do a lot of things. It's hard. It's darn impossible to be the greatest of all time. Because times change. Things change. If Bill Russell and them had the same fitness and yoga and all of that that these players have now. Could you say that they were plumbers and insurance salesmen? And I, all can, I don't stuff? like that. I don't like right. that stuff, man. And, but but it's it's a reality. It's part of the yeah, conversation. Well, I know. I know. And so I, I look at that and say for their era. They're doing things that the average person watching couldn't do. Yeah. So their greatness, if it has to stay in their era, that's fine. But mm-hmm. you don't you, you don't wash it over with someone else's achievement in a different era where the rules, the baseline rules are completely different. The lines on the floor are different. Even. Mm-hmm. You're talking about you're going from an era that didn't have a three-point shot to errors that do. And you look at them and say, oh, they only scored 22 points. Do you know if they counted half their shots, they were probably threes? There was a year where uh, Jerry West averaged like 41 points per game mm-hmm. in the in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And he never shot a three in his career. They never had a three-point line. And yeah. everyone talks about how he regularly pulled up from 28, oh, 30 yeah. feet. That's what he shot. He shot threes. It's almost to me, it's almost counterintuitive and and illogical to the idea that, okay, over the past how many ever, 70, 80 years, the rules have changed some, but the overall idea is the same. We've made the rules so easier to facilitate more scoring. And yes, overall teams are scoring more, but players used to score so much more back then like the best individually right it's it it just almost sounds like well wouldn't you say that those guys were the best ever then back then not now but i don't know i i just don't think it's something you can compare and and that's why i steer away from the lebron conversation yeah because i watched 80s ball 90s ball 2000s ball Ten, uh, 10 to 20, and now I'm watching 21 and to the next one. So I you could say that you've seen a little bit. A little bit. Okay. <laughs> and there are, there are changes, and the whole one and done is a huge difference as well. Yes, sir. In the last few generations of basketball player, because the prior generations, you're talking bigger, well, older, 
filled out bodies because they're juniors and seniors going out for the most part, not freshmen and sophomores. But you also see the college product was better back too. But that's a whole different. That's a whole other different thing. Whole other rocking chair. Oh, oh, (laughs) the one and done issue is kind of important to this whole thing because even I think obviously the greats are going to make it regardless and going to be great. Yes, but. I think the one and done era has has kind of watered down the the depth that the league could have mm-hmm. because I can just think off the top of my head of so many guys that you think, man, if they just had another year or two to get ready for the NBA, yeah. maybe they wouldn't have just gotten destroyed as rookies and their confidence go down to here. And, and they end up in a G League where they learn finding their skill anyway. Or on the on the other side of this coin, you have dudes that say. Why did we have to see them waste a year in college when they could have been contributing in the pros already, when they were already ready to go? Anthony Davis, John Wall, Blake Griffin, like dudes that came in NBA ready for one year. And that would have made the college game better, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the high school players, though, unfortunately, most of them don't pan out. Correct. You know, and that's that's the one risky thing about skipping college completely is that the game is so progressed and the level of comp is so much higher going from high school just right into the pros that not everybody is built for it. Which is why I think the G League Ignite team is going to be a whole new. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that that program. I I really like that idea. I like that concept because that way those high school prospects can get a taste of the pros, still learn, get them fundamentals going and then, yeah, and get and get a get a check so that they can take care of themselves and their family and hopefully translate to the uh, pros during the time. All the the people that are tired of, of one and done, you know, athletes kind of skirting the system and and doing this and that just to get into school, or the ones that are so upset by the fact that they don't go to class, you know, they don't have to worry about that anymore. But then. they get a free education, Austin. They I get know, a free education, right? coach. Gosh, all those Dude. all those experiences are going to pay their bills, right? Dude, you know what though? They still need those experiences. They do. I mean, and they, I agree. There's there's so much life lessons that you learn from that it's not just about the money and that's very that's a very important thing that people got to remember there's more to it than that well and that's why i I like this ignite system coach because Mm -hmm. they they're offering them like business classes and things like that along with the monetary value that comes along with being a part of the g league too so they're not just i think adam silver did this 100 percent right like even Mm -hmm. off the get you know not only are they just giving kids money and giving them playing time, but they're playing alongside NBA vets. They've changed mm-hmm. the way they changed the way that the G League is able to run to help build these young men right. for a season right. to go into the NBA and contribute right off the jump. And on the flip side of that, I actually want these college kids that are going to have all this great talent to stay in their programs for more than one year. Mm-hmm. Build those programs back up. Mm-hmm. That's I'm sorry. College basketball to me was the absolute most fun in the in the '90s and the early 2000s. Man. I used to I love mean, watching college basketball, dude. I mean, and now. the thing is, it's hard for a couple of reasons. Number one, a lot of the folk aren't there every single year, mm-hmm. so 
Like mm-hmm. back in the day, you know, if you had three, four years to learn these players, to kind of get to know them, you see them over and over Build again. chemistry. Exactly. And and with the fan bases as well, because I used to be a fan of Arizona as well as uh, all of the Big East teams and a few others. And, I mean, I watched Jason Terry in college. I watched Fry in college. You know what I mean? All of these folks. And every time, every, every college year, I tune in and I watch those games more than I watch the NBA games. Mm-hmm. And you got to see folk grow and develop and, be, and become better. And then those draft years were even more fun because you, it was like you knew the kids who were going off. It wasn't like mm-hmm. strangers every year that you only know a couple of people because of Twitter or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was just a totally different environment, and I really would love to get back to that environment so that we can have a better NBA product, a better college product, and better ball. Yeah, because that one year, the recruiting – has gone completely different than the way it used to. It really you see, has. You've seen Coach K go away from his style of recruiting that made him successful early on in his career to mm-hmm. adopting that, you know, Co- Coach Cal style recruiting because right. you have to do that to keep up with Kentucky. But and they both out this year. Finally. Yep, and, and my know, Razorbacks just, are in the Sweet Sixteen. Just, just for the you know for an NBA fans too going into the draft, like other than maybe Luka Doncic. And maybe one or two other guys. I guess Zion's been pretty good, but they haven't won a whole lot yet. How many times in the last seven, eight, ten years can you say there's been a few guys in the draft that you know are ready to come in and, and contribute to a winning product in the NBA? It used to kind of be every year there was you know two or three guys everybody expected to come in and like okay these guys are going to make a big difference, mm-hmm. and and it's just not like that that much, that often anymore because they're still learning the game and now they have to learn it at a higher level and with less time and more games and more pressure. All right. So we've, I think we've established that the NBA of today is uh, not what it once was in terms of, unfortunately, age, size, strength, talent. So what, what do you guys think is going through a guy like Draymond's green's mind when he says something like that? What is he, He, what is he internalizing now? He's, he's vibing now. Mm-hmm. You know, LeBron's the greatest of all time. So I'm the greatest defensive player of all time. Right. You know, this is where we are right now. But well, all time means about this the era. LeBron had maybe the greatest finals ever with me, you know, being kind of the guy that was probably going to guard him a lot. Mm. <laughs> you know. I mean, again, Dennis Rodman didn't score more than six points a game. But ask him how many steals he had. Ask him how many rebounds he had. Ask him how many blocks he had. Ask him how many times he got in the, under somebody's skin so bad he turned the ball over. Ask him how many consecutive playoff series he was matched up against the other team's best player regardless of position. Whether it was O'Neal one series and then shooting guard the next series. Yeah. And, and, and frustrates everybody. Mm, the worm. All day. I mean, to me, he is one of the greatest defensive players of all time. Now, Coach. No desire to have that one of. Mm-hmm. No, Learn so, something, Draymond. Learn it. So uh-huh. here's what I would like to say, Coach, and I I respect all of that. And Draymond Green with a mic in his face, he's never going to miss an opportunity yeah. to say something oh, that's going to get under people's skin. Here's my thing, though. Regardless mm-hmm. if he said it, regardless if he didn't, 
you touched on it earlier. You, this what you led with is what I'm going to run with, right? I want, if you're going to be on my team, I want you to think that you are the best to ever have done it. I want you to think that you are the best defender ever to lace them up. I want you to think it, feel it, play like it, breathe it, you know, write it on your mirror, look at it every morning when you wake up. Mm -hmm. And whether it's true or not, we'll work that out later. But I want you to have that mentality. And and I want that regardless of where other people put you. Mm -hmm. I don't agree with Draymond Green. There's there's a laundry... There's a laundry list of people that I would put ahead of him, whether that be from the eye test. Austin and I are big stat guys. You know, it just so happens that he has 30.87 career defensive win shares, which is only 212th all time. Wow. So well, if, if you're looking for statistical backing, right. I was yeah. going to say, I'm ready with the numbers if you guys want to. Oh, hear please, Austin, enthrall us. So in his entire career, do you think. How many times do you think Draymond Green has led the NBA in defensive win share win shares in his career? Maybe once. Never. Never. How many times in uh, defensive um, rating do you think he's led the NBA in his career? I think I see where you're going. I'm just going to say none. None. Has he ever led the NBA in steals? No. no. Has he ever led the NBA in blocks? No. Okay, those are kind of the big four right there. He's never even finished first in a season in any mm. of those. He has what did you say for win shares? Thirty or so. Thirty point eighty seven, which ranks two hundred. Has a hundred and ten defensive win shares. And coach, this goes back to your all time thing. If he's going to say all time, he's got to live with all time stats. Right. He is two hundred and twelfth all time in defensive win shares. Right. Yeah, and he's and he's about eighty behind Tim Duncan, who is is in the top two or three. I don't know yeah. where exactly, but. And just, yeah. I mean, and we know, know that defense isn't played with numbers. Yep, numbers aren't everything, but right. things like accolades, you know, winning statistical awards make a difference when you're talking the greatest of all time. That kind of one stuff. defensive player of the year also to show for it. So yep. if you want to look at stats, we did that. You want to look at accolades? Go Bears have a two, hasn't he? Two mm-hmm. or three. He's got one defensive player of the year, and mm-hmm. he's playing in the same generation as Rudy Gobert. Giannis Antetokounmpo won MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same season. Yeah, that's fair, too. So if you want to talk about all time, you don't have it. But back to my point, Coach. If you're going to play on my team. (laughs) That was beautiful. We got to bring it in because. Oh, that was a poetic evisceration of numbers. I appreciate it. Bravo. That's what Austin and I do. We, I mean, we watch games, obviously, and I hope that, you know, people who listen understand that, yes, we do watch games, but we, Mm -hmm. we bring everything into it. You know, we like stats, you know, we stats to us are just actual representations and accounting of what took place on the floor. And they kind of match up almost, you know, you have your disparities here or there, but in Draymond's case, I don't think the numbers don't think the accolades don't think that he is the best offensive player to ever do it. But, Coach, back to my original point, I am so you glad that he team. feels this way. If you're going to be on my team, you got to think that way. You right. be, Austin, you and I talk about this all the time. You have to be a psychopath to be mm-hmm. one of the best players in the NBA. You have to right. have an unhealthy appreciation for your abilities to oh, be. Oh, there's the there's nothing player. wrong with Draymond Green thinking this about himself. Just don't go out in the media and, and yell it to the rooftops. Yeah. Is my thing. Yeah, I mean, you, there's 
there's plenty of guys that that talk about how good they think they are, and you never ever hear them talk about being the greatest of all time. I mean, LeBron does some. Oh, oh I don't know some? That I've are you kidding? I, I don't know that I've ever heard Michael Jordan say that about himself. Are you? Do Not you watch many list, people man? from that era. I, I, I just mean, I, I they they you know they obviously he also read between the lines. He also you know what they mean. As much as he did talk about himself and how he felt mm-hmm. like he deserved and and you know. Like I said, he deserved all these things. He also gave credit to people playing alongside him too. He never shortchanged a Magic Johnson. He never now, shortchanged a Larry Bird. Did he right. say those things in game, or did he say them as he was reflecting on the skits and stuff that he was being seen? I'm gonna have to defer to you, Coach, and I want to point out too that the the eras we talk about eras a lot today. The eras that these players played. There wasn't always someone with an iPhone ready to capture whatever it is that he wanted to say in the 90s. You know, you had someone with a pen and paper, maybe a recorder. But but those jokers caught everything too. that. Don't sleep. No, no, no. Those jokers caught everything. You, you, with your little recorder, you Mm -hmm. go back because that's, that was uh, how I first got into journalism. I had my camera, I had a recorder, I had my pen, I had my shorthand. Two turntables and a microphone. Yes, sir. That's awesome. <laughs> yes, sir. And you know, there was and, just like a, I feel like there was a lot more accountability in that time. It was, time a more, too, it was with, more of a reference journalism. for the game. Now you can kind of just get away with posting whatever. Oh, and it was for reference for, for, for journalism. It was well more, it was way more respected back then. There was rules. You know, you had, you know, rules. They, they don't really use the rules now. Everything is, editorial base everything is commentary there's really no fact-based news stories as much anymore so my 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 spin on this piece of news mm-hmm. but I'm gonna I'm I'm leave journalism alone for a little while I know that journalism is a is a subject that's near and dear to your heart, uh, it's, heart. it's the first job that I chose when I was in the army mm-hmm. so, yeah I, I love it I've been a writer my whole that. life, but you know that was my opportunity, and you know journalism and I we had we we have a good we we had a good time. There you go. And, it, and yeah, it, show, it shows it, in your work too, and your commentary and your videos. I mean, you definitely have a respect for whatever it is that you're discussing, whether that be basketball, football, baseball, yes. hip hop. You you don't. You give it, it's just do and then some. You know, you don't shortchange anything. I love the fact that you give a whole experience, no matter what it is that you're talking about. You give a whole, you know, vibe about it. It You make things come to life when you talk about them. I love that about you, Coach. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, if, if, if you let me just one more. I just want to go back and oh, touch please, on what man. you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, in around the 90s era, as far as ball, as far as the, the NBA, they really, I mean, they would talk smack. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. That's what you would hear. I'm better than him. Oh, please. That guy, I'm better than him. He's not better than me. But you would not hear, I'm the best to ever do it. Mm. That's not really a conversation they were having. You know what I mean? And maybe that's because they weren't so far removed from uh, 
Elgin Baylor, God rest in peace. You know, uh, Willis Reed, and then they, they, they have the check and Bob Cousy. You know, they weren't that far removed from those players, from the pioneers, right? And their respect for what those guys laid down for them to have what they had, there was no way they were going to say, "Oh, I'm better than such and such." And going back to your last dance, who who did Jordan even want to be compared to? I want to say Dr. J, right? I was say, I think- Magic and Bird. Magic and oh, Bird. Yeah. Okay. Magic and Bird. He wanted to be known in the name of that. He didn't want to say he was better than those guys. He just wanted to be mentioned in the same conversation. Yep. Of those right. guys. That was the mentality. Then it was different. Didn't he? Didn't he say in the Last Dance it was like having three titles? Like Bird and Magic was mm-hmm. like kind of like just where he the the yeah. spot he wanted to get to. It's yeah, and and that's where his drive came from. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, going even back into '90s hip hop, uh, early early '90s hip hop, late '80s '90s hip hop. Man, listen, you couldn't just walk around and say, "Yo, I'm a rapper," because the first time you say it, any and anybody around you within the earshot is going to be like, "I right, prove it, say something." Well, they were MCs, is what you're talking about, mm-hmm. right? And if you weren't good, they'd shut you up. Right then and there, and you bet not open your mouth unless you got something better next time. Now there's a whole genre of hip. There's a whole genre. Say whatever, right? There's a whole genre of hip hop now that is solely just bad hip hop. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like celebrated. It's not Mm -hmm. hip hop. It it has no connection to the culture. Mm -hmm. The folks making songs to make music—that's rap. Yeah. Hip hop is an organic wonderful thing it is and i love hearing you and mr lewis talk about that man i mean I, I i i honestly wish certain components of hip-hop didn't go away with the times because you guys weren't privy to seeing kids on the corners rhyming in little groups mm-hmm. just like two three four kids hanging out with each other rhyming to each other just on the block on their way home from school and like every day you can see five, six, seven, eight, nine different little spot pockets of it. I mean, my friends and I, we used to freestyle literally from the time we left the, the back door building mm-hmm. at the school all the way home, 15, 20 minute walk every day. If we weren't talking about girls or something else or whoever got beat up in the fight, we were running. <laughs> now, the best that me and my friends did, uh, we. We didn't freestyle, but we beatbox. We we should we. That's just good too. Yeah. yeah, we we did that a lot on like basketball buses on the way to and from games. Okay, okay, yep. okay. And I love the just the the culture of of basketball has such a history. And I know, and I know that's why you you can connect the two so well. Sports and hip hop, they just they fit. correlate. They're a marriage. They correlate. And, and there's 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 a there's a competitive nature behind both. Mm-hmm. That you know you can be great, you can be the nicest. That's great, but I'm nice too, mm-hmm. and I got to be nicer than you. So if your game is great, I got to get my game great so that I can compare to you. Then I got to get my game better than you so that I can be better than you. Mm. I miss that drive. You know something I hear guys talk on NBA radio a lot about. Uh, especially about guys of uh, like the 80s and the 90s or, you know, coming into a game, 
you knew this guy was like, he meant business. He was a, a grown man. And mm-hmm. even if he didn't have a good game, it was going to be tough. It was going to be hard on you because they're right. going to be physical. And uh, I don't know, Stephen, if you've ever heard Rick Mahorn talk about like, uh, I love Rick Mahorn on like the radio. Yeah. Yeah. And when he had that stretch of like four straight 50 point games mm-hmm. and just, you know, and that's in that era where you're mm-hmm. getting slapped. Hit, right. touch, push, punch. Yeah. I mean, ridden the whole way down the court. Especially if you could score. You had mm-hmm. to deal with one of these all, all night long. All the time. All night long. Ribs or when he back. talks about Patrick yeah. Ewing in the first quarter of games, you know, clotheslining a little guard for going in and stealing a rebound and saying, mm-hmm. don't steal my rebounds. His own like, teammate. Own right, teammate. His own teammate. Yeah. Because they, they get bonus going like home. Like, it feels like the way they talk about it, who knows if how realistic this is. I'm sure it is, but like they talk about it like it going from college to the NBA was like going from school to a real profession in any other job. Like you're right. not with everybody, you know, you know, you're not hanging out with your friends anymore. You're right. you're getting it, it taken to you every night. And it just it feels a lot more like buddy buddy fun a- now. AAU really. did that though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. AAU did that, and I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of the AAU program. Some of them are really, really great. Some of them really aren't. But it, to me, they take away from the neighborhood programs, the school programs. You know what I mean? I, I'd rather see those programs get the funding and all that and progress those so that you can keep the education part with it. And I was just going to say, a lot of times they're tied to some form of educational system, too, whereas a lot of these AAU programs getting all the money just corporations funnel it to shoe companies. Right. And they're know. teaching the kids the monetary aspect of the of, of what they do and not the joy and the, the history and, and, and the, the privilege of doing and having the ability to do what you're doing. You know, if you in schools, schools, they're great for that because there's a mascot, you know, coach has been there for a while. There's a history. And, mm-hmm. you know, every year, the new kids getting them onto the team. They're so excited to be on the team. And I want to be an owl and all that good stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Then you grow right. up, you, you graduate high school, you, you're varsity owl. Then you go off to whatever and you, and, and you have that experience or you go off to the now to the G League and, whatever experience you have. But there's 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 a vibe of reverence and 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 understanding there. And I feel like you miss that when you when you circumvent that just for other means. And again, as you guys said, as we can see, because now we've got 10 years of pro players who played in AAUs. There's a lot of guys that can score a lot of points, but yeah, that's how great. they do it has kind of been watered down. I feel like, yeah, you know, it's so. Hey, I'm sorry. Sorry. I would not have my kids shooting threes the way that they shoot threes right now. I'm not, I'm it not just seems that. like if you can shoot, obviously you need to be able to shoot. You've always needed to be able to shoot. I think mm-hmm. the, the shooting of today is a little bit overstated, just for the fact that there's so many more guys taking longer shots. But I think every era of basketball, there's been a lot of guys that can really, really shoot. My thing yes. is, is how many guys in the NBA have two or three moves that they can go to when someone's really guarding them hard and yeah. they need to get a one-on-one bucket? I mean, Only the Kawhi best Leonard, of the best. And even uh, some of the best of the best don't have them. Right. right. Kawhi Leonard has a few moves. Um, Jason Tatum is one guy I think I feel like has some nice moves. Mm-hmm. But there's not a whole lot of guys I feel like can take a guy one-on-one and 
knows the spot they want to get to on the court and can get there every single time. Carmelo like Anthony. Oh, yes, sir. I miss yeah, Carmelo. Yeah, mm. I miss him. I miss him on the Knicks sometimes. I do because that I drop step, Den- that I miss- jab step. I miss Syracuse Mello. I miss Denver Mello. I miss Olympic yeah. he Mello. He puts you in a cooker, man. He 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 understands. I got four ways to beat you. You gonna tell me which one I'm gonna use? Three level right. score. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But you, know, you hear all these arguments all the time about skill and how much the skill level in the NBA has gone up compared to past eras. People say that all the time. It's just different. It's yep. not right. really more it's like, because you can't convince me that guys like Shaquille O'Neal, Dave, David Robinson, Tim Duncan couldn't develop a little Hakeem bit more. Hakeem Olajuwon. If the game was played the way it is now, Moses then Malone. they could play. They would have brought, been brought up that way, and they would still be able to develop the skill set needed. They're they're terrific players. It's just here's my thing, and I agree with you on that. I definitely do. They would up their game to meet what the mm-hmm. game's criteria is. Why do we think that this is the way to play the game? Because it's the way that we see I'm it sorry. right now. Because I, casual fans like threes. seeing the ball go in the basket. Yeah, I see these threes, and I'm like, because all I all I see is the outlet rebound for the other team to make their fast break and score. That's all mm-hmm. I see. Because not everyone who <laughs> takes the three is qualified to do so. Yep. And I'm sorry, if you've got 75% free throw shooting, you're an okay free throw shooter. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's, that's not bad how at come all. That, how come that standard is not the same for three-point shooting? It's well, How come I got to hear, he shot 42%. Like, that's a great thing. That means if you shoot 10 shots, you're going to miss six of them. That's what that means. Mm-hmm. So I don't want you shooting he's just to make four when the ball could be moved around a lot more and up and other things can open up on the court especially when they come down and just I love I love Emmanuel quickly I love you to death I can't stand that shot sometimes <laughs> I mean just yep. you set up your head <laughs> but again I, 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 I know it's for the scores and it's fast and it's fun and all that it's appealing. It's to draw in the casual fan because mm-hmm. the diehards coach, as, as much as you are, are not a fan of the way the game is still being played, you're a lifer, man. You you love basketball and you're going to watch it because your Here's Knicks are playing. I'm a Nick lifer. I used to be an NBA lifer. I don't That's watch right. all the games anymore because of this. Every I, game I on the whole, I, I can't, I can't, oh my God, this game's on? Ooh, 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 no. I used to, every game that came on, my clicker is moving mm-hmm. one game to the next. I'm enthralled with it all. And then I, as a, as a cherry on top, I get to see my next play. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I pretty much am just fun. watching my next play. I remember how much fun Sunday afternoons were because yeah. it was the Lakers versus whoever, and then there was always a really good game on that night, like yeah. you, you know remember? the Suns versus the Spurs with Tim Duncan mm-hmm. and Steve Nash, and yes. teams that I could care less about, but real, you know, I wasn't going to miss. But that those game. Good. you weren't going to miss that game. exactly. It's exactly. going to be a battle, and just these games, even when they're close, it's just like almost a lot of times it feels like who's going to get the ball last. <laughs> you know, who's going to shoot the last three and run up on it. I mean, I forgot which team it was, but I think it was Denver or somebody like that. 
They lost the game because they had an open fast break, and a guy stops and shoots the three with three seconds left. Yeah, that was that was Denver. It was Denver. Go to the basket. Mm-hmm. Go to the basket. But they're they're programmed to shoot the three. It's not even it's not even natural anymore to go to the basket. It's natural to pull up from three. And to me, that's not natural. But, One thing that I never hear enough about that I'd be interested to see, which obviously this is just like kind of like a pipe dream, but they so the three point shooting is whatever I, I i'm all for shooting more threes but m- not all threes like a lot of teams do i don't right. think 50 or 60 a game is a little much yeah but at the same time i do like the spacing that the new offenses have has produced mm-hmm. on the floor i'd like to see what a team would be able to like a a team like the 2001 lakers with a dominant shaquille o'neal or uh you know a young in his prime tim duncan or hakeem olajuwon Throw the ball into him thirty times a game when they're when they're playing four guys that are six foot eight. Let know, him go to town and mm-hmm. see see what happens there because they're it's going to be a lot harder to double team them. You're going right. to have to sag the whole defense back in, and then if you're real, you know what you really want to do is shoot more threes. There you go. There you go, and now you've got open threes to shoot where your percentage will increase. I, I, I I'd be in, I'd looks. love to see someone come out of the draft. I was hoping it was going to be maybe Aiton, but it doesn't look like it's going to be him. That was just a monster in the post again and just it's all about what players are it's all about what players are incentivized and encouraged to do what the rules that's it too you know what what the rules allow them to be able to either do or or not do anymore right like they back to the basket rules you know certain amount of seconds in the in the paint you know that that discourages your your interior presence but um coach man it's been an honor and a privilege to have you on i appreciate you dedicating Eat more time on top of the time that we had on the Nothing Manette channel on Dash Radio. Man, Austin, I appreciate you guys, definitely. Austin, hasn't it been such a great time with, with oh, our yeah, friend Coach? This has been great. I love talking about this stuff. It's hard. Sometimes I had to remind myself we're still actually recording. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. I'm Absolutely. like, oh, I have to have dinner. <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. But um, I do want to real quick. I got ah, one, here more, we go. Midwest one more goodbye. for you guys. One the more Midwest goodbye. I just want to kind of hammer this point home that what he said is absolutely ridiculous. Um, my personal I'm opinion. Glad he thinks it. My personal opinion. I think he's one of the most overrated defenders ever. But anyway, right, on, this is a different conversation um, now. His team. So yeah. you know, Stephen, I I'm kind of a fan of the on-off numbers. So the Warriors' defensive rating every year of his career gets better when he's on the bench. It gets better when he's on the bench every year of his career, including in 2016 when they won 73 games and it was his, statistically his best year. Their, def- their, their defense gets better when he's not on the court. Take that how you will because I know he's usually on the court in the important moments against the starters, but I just wanted to throw that, that out there. That's the thing, you know, right. who – when he's off the court, who you know, I, Andre Iguodala was such a luxury for them to have off the mm-hmm. on the coming off the bench. David West, another savvy vet who can play defense, was another luxury. They had Leandro Barbosa, who's another good. I, I'm, you're not gonna get me, Austin. You're not gonna get me. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, man, um, it is a valid point though. I don't think that Draymond Green is the best defense player ever, but I'm glad he feels that way about himself. I'm glad he thinks that. So, I agree, hundred percent. But all right, fellas. We're gonna we're gonna um, take this podcast to a close, Austin. Man, 
The best, you're the best co-host a guy could ever ask for. Really appreciate Thank what you. you bring to the show, bro. Oh, you're I appreciate awesome. it, man. You make it easy when you find all these great guests all the time, dude. It's been fun. Well, it's easy when you know when we work with the best out there. You know, getting a guest sure. is easy. So it's always easy to get great content when you work with the best. And coach, uh, you, my friend, you, my friend, are a real one. You're a gem. Love yes, working with you, bro. Fun, man, I appreciate you guys very, very much. I love the show. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, awesome. I'm I'm choked up right now. Oh man. You're oh, gonna get god. me choked up. Oh my god. All right. But coach man. Gotta have the love. Gotta have the love. It's all about the memories, man. There <laughs> <laughs> we go. It's all about the memories, man. And I won't right, and I won't steal you. I won't steal your ladies and gentlemen intro anymore. I just I had to use it. I felt it I felt it was appropriate for tonight. That was awesome, man. That was perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, for everybody who's listening to the podcast, thank you so much for your support. I want to remind everybody to go to manscaped.com, enter promo code BTG, get that 20% free shipping. That's what we call a deal deal. My friend Coach Fall is holding up products right now. They got the Lawnmower 3.0. I have used it myself. I was nervous, but there's nothing to be nervous about when you're using it. The crop reviver and preserver is on point. The boxers are comfortable. The shirt's nice. My wife actually ordered extra boxers for me, and they feel nice. The foot duster is really good, too. I like that a lot. But go to manscaped.com, order promo code BTG, get that 20% off, and free shipping, and that'll let them know that we sent you. But, Coach Austin, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. We'll catch up with everybody next time. Much love. Much love. Good one.